This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you again for tuning into another episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. From the Blaze Radio Network, we are once again gathered around the kitchen table. That would be me, Cam, and Miss E. I think we've got a dog or two floating around as well. We always have a dog if we're sitting at the table because they think we have food. Well, to be fair, right now we do have food. No, we just have caramel. <laughs> you decided right before we started taping this would be a good time for you to have a caramel. Have a caramel snack. And I lined up like the how many in a <laughs> serving. And then I realized after I was, I'm chewing, I'm like, I can't eat caramels and talk on a podcast. So I'm- now you know if there's a monologue <laughs> from me, it's just me e- Miss E uh, uh, having some dessert. Yep. Eating a caramel. I'm in a caramel. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully you've had a great week. Uh, it's been a... A good, warm uh, week on the farm. No snow, and I'm happy with that. It's uh, early December, and our 10-day forecast includes 70-degree days, and the lowest of the lows is going to be 32. So And lots of sunshine. I will take it. Yes. It means yard work, though. It does mean yard work, but that's okay. That's, that's you know... We actually need to mow the yard in December, which... Uh, yeah, isn't that crazy? It is kind of crazy. No rest for the lawn this year, I suppose. But uh, it is recovering from where the uh, the goats were, and the goats seem to be enjoying their big new space. Yes, they are, and they're eating those pesky little trees that we don't want to keep coming back. Yeah. So they're just stripping the bark off, and I'm pretty sure they're going to work through those like the deer worked through my two little apple trees. I know, I know. That's That was really depressing and disheartening but uh oh speaking of which though yes you know that orchard i went to recently yes they actually sell trees oh they do yes and they have like six or seven different types available so i was thinking maybe go get some from them we could do that when do you plant apple trees they said the do it is now really yeah well because it's going to be dormant anyway Uh uh-huh so this time it just has it it's just going to go into its resting period so this it just doesn't it's a good time to transplant yeah oh okay well, there's something we could do this weekend, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. I'll check their Facebook page and see if they're open on Saturday. Uh, we also uh, did not process the goat last weekend. No, we need to do that this weekend. That reminds me I need to borrow the gambrel. Yeah, that was what uh, stopped us. So instead, we were productive in other ways <laughs> around the farm. And in the family, we did some Christmas shopping. Uh, we actually left the farm for a, a brief period of time. And oh, when we went down to Barn and brought all the Christmas stuff up. So yes. the, the trees up and the stockings are hung by the horse heads with care. <laughs> right. Mario uh, Sparkles has been Mario around Sparkles our house. Mario Sparkles is our elf on the shelf. And our elf on the shelf is not a naughty boy. Not that naughty. No, I mean, some of these people's elves on the shelves are really naughty. I think the... They're doing uh, really inappropriate oh, things I with know. Barbie dolls. I saw, well, I saw a picture today of uh, an elf on the shelf that had uh, apparently been doing lines of hot cocoa powder. Right? 
I know. How awful is that? I saw one that was posed to look like he was urinating in liquor bottles. Wow. Yes. So I'm glad that uh, our elf, again, Mario Sparkles, I didn't name him. No, the the littlest, the twins named him when they were like... Maybe they were like two? two, three, or four. Like, yeah, it's this is only a new thing for our family. It's only with the littlest right. that we've been doing this. Um, but he came into our life, and they both wanted a chance to name him. And the boy was really into the Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. and the girl named every single stuffed toy she ever got Sparkles. Remember, right. everything was named <laughs> yes. Sparkles. So of course, it was Mario Sparkles. Because <laughs> Sparkles Mario just didn't sound as manly. So. Right, yeah, Mario Sparkles is much better. But what was That's funny sad. was, so I, I post pictures on uh, the Instagram, um, and and uh, someone made a comment about, oh, uh, uh, what did she say something about, does your dog not bother with with him? I would, I would hate to see him hanging from your I would hate to see Mario sprinkles hanging out of his mouth and I was like I didn't I didn't correct her but I'm like on the inside I'm laughing hysterically I was like wow Mario sprinkles that's a whole different sort of idea right there but no ours has been like playing games with um Yukon Cornelius last night he was caught trying to play the mandolin right he's played uh, yeah he's played battleship he's he was, uh, be other playing battleship kind of got caught up in the garland one year, uh, he was working on knitting himself something, and he ended up making himself a blanket. <laughs> then he made himself a little uh, uh, beaded necklace that he put on he's the tree. Very crafty. Yeah, he he likes to do crafts when he comes here. <laughs> Imagine that. And read books. So yeah, uh, I don't know what he, what else he's going to be up to for the next couple of days, weeks. I guess we got like fourteen, fifteen days until Santa comes. And yeah, right. Mario sparkles leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the uh, the Christmas tree uh, is up. The decorations are up. You noticed uh, something about an old decoration as we were hanging up the tree. Uh, our oldest son's first Christmas ornament. Uh, you noticed after more than twenty years, you think is it was actually meant for a girl. <laughs> I did. I was like, <laughs> so he was born in April, uh, and by the time Christmas came around. No one was thinking to get a baby's first Christmas ornament, and so somebody got me one as like a afterthought, and I was like, "Oh, thank you so much!" And it was just until very, just until I was hanging it on the tree. And the, the boy is twenty four, mind you. Okay, so this is this is now twenty four Christmases later. Mm-hmm. I just realized, I'm like, wait, that little baby cat has a pink diaper. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! This entire time that was supposed to be for a girl. And that was the only baby's first ornament he has. Wow. Now, the oldest well, hopefully child he's not was... listening to the podcast. The, 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 he knows that. He knows it's the <laughs> only one. I might actually paint the damn diaper. Um, just because that's bugging me now. The oldest was born in November. So, because, you know... Every, yeah, Christmas most, on the mind at that point. And then she met most of my family on Christmas. So, right. it was like... There was, there's a lot of her baby's first Christmas ornaments on the tree. But, yeah. I was like... Oh no, really? Yeah, I had that really weird moment the other day. So. so if that was your weird moment, let me tell you about my weirdest moment of the week as okay. well. Okay. So I was in a minor car accident uh, involving a cement mixer uh, a few days ago. I'm fine. My car, on the other hand, is not wah, so wah, fine. Wah. So it's in the shop. It's getting repaired. And I'm sad. And I'm in a rental car. And it's one of those anonymous... Uh, Japanese cars, right? 
yeah, dark colored four door sedan. So I pull up to the gas station the other day and I get out and I go inside and I get my Diet Coke and I, I walk back out and I open up the driver's door and there's a middle-aged black man in my passenger seat. And then I realized, well, this isn't my car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, did you really? I really did. I hope you didn't scare him. I'm pretty sure I did for a second. And when I realized what I had done, of course, I apologized profusely. And I'm sure I sounded like an absolute moron because I said, I'm really sorry, sorry. I'm in a rental car. My car got hit by a cement mixer. And uh, I'm really... I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just... going to shut the door now. And he's just looking at me like, okay. <laughs> oh, that poor man. I know. It was uh, <laughs> it was very, very embarrassing. So now I'm, I'm definitely looking into the car before I try to. Uh, I've actually memorized the license plate now so I, I can look. <laughs> it's a shame to have such a generic thing that you can't even tell it apart. I know. It was, uh, but that was that was my uh, my oddest and, and most embarrassing moment of funny. the week. I'm glad you waited to tell me until now. <laughs> well, I wanted your reaction to be genuine. I didn't want to tell you, and then you have to like fake that, like ha ha ha, that was funny. Yeah. No, it was really funny. No, that was really funny. All right, listen. Why don't we? Uh, by the way, feel free to send your most embarrassing moments of the week uh, to forty acrefool at gmail dot com and make me feel a little bit better about uh, experiences like that. We are going to take a, a quick time out. We will have much more, though, right after this here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool for the Blaze Radio Network. I am Cam Edwards alongside Miss E uh, at the kitchen table near Farmville, Virginia, where uh, I almost I almost got you. That 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 uh, brief commercial break was basically an excuse for uh, Miss E to eat some more caramels. And uh, I you, caramels, I said caramels. What should I say? I don't know. Caramel? That's what I, was like. I don't know how it... Caramel? It's one of those things like you don't realize how you say it until you say it, and then it sounds weird after you've heard it different ways. Right. But I was just saying caramels. I say caramels. Well, you're or caramel. from the Midwest, and I'm from the East Coast. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, you were getting ready to put the last one in your mouth. I was just ready to hit record, and I was just going to wait till you started chewing, but you caught me. <laughs> I did. I put it down, though. I'll the next break. <laughs> All right, fine. By the way, you know, this is uh, what you have to look forward to for the next three months, us talking about uh, eating caramels because or caramels because it's getting to be the slow time of year on the farm, right? I mean, there's right. like, it, it, it's winter and it's really not that cold. So we can't complain about having to bust the ice out of the water, you know, no. three times a day. No, not I'm okay with yeah, that, I'm by the way. Yeah. But I, I will confess that, you know, like in a, in a podcast that is sort of devoted to 
what's going on on the farm every week. Uh, we've now done almost a year. I hate to be, I don't want to be repetitious ever, no. but we've now entered back into the winter season, which is sort of the, the slow season. We did have this we week a big we, milestone. Well, and, and, we're, and it's really a slow season for us because even though it's really mild outside, we stink because I never did get around to getting any winter vegetables in the ground because we had so many beds down there that that had tomatoes that we were going to pull up and recycle into other beds but no we had blight everywhere and you can't put anything in after blight so i couldn't put right the the fall veggies that i wanted to put down there so it's now just goat fodder yeah but they're eating it they're eating stuff they're liking it yeah they are um but we did have a milestone this week um in that we got the uh, first uh, catalogs for 2016, the seed catalogs. The farm porn has started right. showing up, right? Yeah. So totally we... tomatoes. We've got the baker's rare seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else did I get? Some other couple that are new. And I just was like, yeah, pfft, I don't like this format. Like, it bounces around too much. Right. It's like, I don't like how Baker's Creek does their tomatoes because they do them in color order. Yeah. And I want them in size. See, I don't understand that. I mean... Who's who picks their tomatoes based on? Oh, let's let's one green ones. I know, but but you could look and see. Like you don't you do sort by size. You should sort by size. Yeah, I buy by size because around here the biggest tomatoes mm-hmm. are the ones that are the are the ones that are eaten either by the chickens or the rabbits. The rabbits, right? And the little tomatoes they get ignored. And I like the little saladettes. Now every once in a while I like the bigger ones, but then I don't want the too big. I want this big enough for a good sandwich. Yeah, a good so, sandwich slicer. We had good luck with the Amish gold slicers. Those were and they were great for sandwiches, but they just made the weirdest looking grilled cheese and tomato sandwich <laughs> ever because so it was just like this big yellow, orange right? blob in the middle of your sandwich. It was delicious. Right. But it was a big orange blob in the middle of your sandwich. So we've been uh, uh, looking over the seed catalogs for the last uh, couple of nights here, and, and looking at uh, I always I always like to look at like the new varieties of the, which is funny, the new varieties of the heirloom tomatoes, right? <laughs> yeah, um, well, the yeah. ones that they found again yeah, or not, we'll figure, right? Or the ones that they're actually developing. I think there's a. Uh, uh, I think his farm is Wild Boar Farms, and he was the one that came up with the tigers and the bumblebees. And, and the indigo. And I the think he did the tie-dye Berkeley, too. He's got a couple. As a matter of fact, he there was one that he didn't grow or did, but he said it was one of the best-tasting tomatoes he ever had. So I think I circled that one to add to the list as well. Yeah, so in Baker's Seed, and I'm sure in all of the catalogs that he's in, because he's in a couple of them, um, this year the big thing is really, really dark tomatoes. So yeah. they've got the same antioxidants that, that blueberries have. Which we uh, also grow on the farm. Right. So, you know, they look really tasty. Oh, they're, um, they're neat looking because they almost like have like the dark iridescent blackish purple skin of a blueberry. But when you slice them open, they're red tomatoes. Really, really dark yeah. red. But, dark uh, red, but red. Yeah. So we might have to try those this year. One year I grew peppers that were purple dark purple skinned on the outside but they were green meat on the inside Mm -hmm. and when you cooked them they turned green so they were purple went away the purple completely went away (laughs) it's like oh that's disappointing it was like i i thought it was like this is gonna be a really cool looking stir fry and i put it with the with some onions for and i and it was it went away it was completely gone but the little tiny purple peppers i grew this year mm-hmm. oh and i probably couldn't say that twice again if i tried <laughs> um they're called odas mm-hmm. they were 
not much bigger than a big big thumb. I mean, they were like two inches long and maybe an inch wide. Right. Really thin shell, but they were purple all the way through. Hmm. I they're all in the they're all in the the delicious stinky mess. Oh of yeah, the that was another peppers. milestone here. We had to crack Ooh, open night. the Ooh. nineteen quarts of twenty two uh, twenty two quarts of of peppers that have been fermenting since August. And I I walk I walk out of the bedroom and I I walk down the hall into the living room and all of a sudden I smell this this odor and it's not that it's unpleasant no but it's 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 an, it's yeah it's a distinct odor I didn't realize how far it had permeated into the house <laughs> until I got out of when I got out of bed this morning and I came in, I was like I could smell it in the family room in yeah, this yeah. room all the way around the whole entire house I'm like I've been walking around with the uh, that Yankee Candle odor eliminating <laughs> spray, and it actually seemed to work for the most part in the other parts of the rooms. The peppers are in the kitchen, so I can't do anything about right. that. But so, yeah, so I, I walk into the kitchen, and there's there's the a couple of open bottles fizzing away, fizzing. and it just smells so funky. But uh, it, it's kitchen. a no. I mean, it's a it's a it's it's that you get the fermenting. You get it's a very strong peppered. You get the eye water. It's a garlic because mm-hmm. every single one of these. So it's quart bottles just packed with hot and sweet peppers, mostly hot, like habaneros, uh, Santa Fe Grandes, hab- jalapenos, um, hot bananas, serranos. Dragon thingies or like little tiny little Almost ones, like Tabasco, like, like little Tabasco-y kinds, um, and then the the Hungarian cheese, which were sort of like a small kind of a thick-walled green pepper, like you get in the grocery store, just your average green bell pepper. Mm. The the Hungarian cheese were like little tiny, like roundish versions, but when they were truly ripe. They were they started off green, but they ended up going to dark red, orange, and um, yellow. Mm-hmm. So they're all in the mix too. Now, are those sweet or hot peppers? Those are sweet. Okay. So you, I added some sweet to add some body because some of the hot peppers we have are really hot. Right. Yeah. We don't have any ghost peppers or anything like that. No, but. no. But we have habaneros, and there's one jar. Yeah. That's just habanero peppers and garlic. It was the last. <laughs> bits that I could save when we had a frost. Mm-hmm. I just pulled them all off, rinsed them off, and shoved them in a, in a jar, and it's just the last that happened right the, the night after our last frost. So they were like, I can't go anymore, and if you leave me here, I'm going to rot, and it's going to be unpleasant. So I was like, no, you, there's one more jar here, I know it. <laughs> so yeah, I packed all the habaneros into a quart jar with uh, garlic cloves, like 10, uh, some hob jalapeno peppers that I also save from the garden and you just shove it into the jar as much as you can no air and then you put in a brine that's two cups of water two tablespoons of kosher salt Mm -hmm. give it a shaky shake and you pour it in you put the jar on and you shake it up and you're trying to get the air out and then you pour it in and and you you do this a couple of times so you're trying to get all the air out of the jar and then the very last you go ahead and pour the water so that it completely overflows and you have some fruit floating above the surface. Okay. And then you screw the lid down and you just leave it go. And the for the first three or four days, nothing's going to happen. Then for the first two or three weeks, you're going to have to remember to pop it every couple of days. Mm-hmm. But then after it goes for a long time, you're going to be hard-pressed to try to get the jar open. Right. So it's not going to explode. And that was our problem last night with, like, we have 22 quarts, but it's 19 jars. Mm-hmm. 
and about 17 of them stuck. Right. And I had to either replace... They were I, banging on the sink. Yeah, banging on the right. sink. So it was, I cleaned out the rings and replaced some of the lids and topped off all the brine. And I think I got my bottles. The bottles came this week. Mm-hmm. I ordered them from the Freud Container Company. And so I've got 10-ounce little hot sauce bottles with red lids. And so I think this weekend... I'm a, it's going to be nice out. I think maybe that's one of the things I need to do is so I can have all the windows in the house on the first right. floor open. I'm going to go ahead and make my hot pepper sauce while it's nice outside. <laughs> we need to make a label for these too, right? Well, I, I, yeah, and we we can probably just do something easy in, in one of the softwares that we have. I've got a couple of pictures of of the uh, of Mr. Freckles, the original Mr. Freckles, because we we're going to call it Freckles Fiery fermented fire sauce or something right. we gotta we gotta come up with a shorter name and i have so and I, the other thing i have to do is i have to look back at our garden planner and actually list all the peppers that are list in this thing because it's going to be it's a wicked long list of oh, all yeah. the crazy kinds of peppers i can't wait for our contractor to try it though <laughs> like he's gonna get the first bottle i think Oh yeah, our friend Jimmy. Uh, yeah, he because he's the the guy who was literally drinking this, drinking it from and, the bottle. And and I was just like, whoa! And it's and it's kind of like it's it. There's so it's the peppers. We drain off the brine, but we save it, and then we just puree the whatever out of the the bejesus out of this. And you add the brine back, and you add some vinegar back, and it it ends up being like a, a stable ready on the counter kind mm-hmm. of thing. But you can put it in the fridge too. But it's there's some chunk. It's like sriracha. But a little bit more. And it's not pasty like no. sriracha, but it's not no. it's not watery no, like a n- Texas peat or a Tabasco. No, there's some texture. It's, it's, it's almost like a paste picante sauce texture. A little bit more, a little bit more watery and vinegary. A little bit thinner. Now, paste. See, paste picante. People are thinking of the stuff in jars, and they're thinking salsa. This no, is- I know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying consistency, not taste. It's hot. But, but there's the, not the chunks. It's not chunk. The, but like, there, is, there are little yeah, chunks. But they're in not there. little chunks. It's like a fine grind chunk. I'm like trying to get this down to the the smallest bit I can. But it's still there because we have seeds mm-hmm. and we have skin bits. Even though they've been in jars fermenting since right, the the skins are softened and whatever. It's anywhere from August of last year. So do you strain <laughs> this then? Well, I strain it. Into and keep the reserve liquid. Oh, okay. And then I puree the peppers and add back the liquid as I need it. Okay. As, along with vinegar, because okay. the vinegar helps as a preservative. Now they're fermented, so they're all fine too. So do you strain it after you've pureed it? No, I strain it. I tried that, and I didn't like the. I tried it for a bottle. Mm-hmm. I tried to put it through like like you could put it through a food mill. I put it through a strainer, like I forced it through right. a sieve, and I didn't. The resulting texture was more a Texas peat thing. It was there way was thin. it was way thinner, and I didn't like the consistency. So for me, it's I dump the peppers into a strainer, I keep the liquid, and then I just start feeding. I try to take some seeds out, but leave the seeds. Mm-hmm. Like for the most part, for the peppers that I put into the jars, if they were sweet peppers, I just left the seeds out because they don't add anything. Okay. But if it was a hot pepper, I left them intact because you get the heat in a hot pepper from the seeds, from the veins on the inside of the pepper, and from the entire pepper. So I left the hot peppers intact. So you're going to get the full effect of the heat with this. So there's still some seeds in there. Um, but it's I, I just 
try to puree it as finely as I can in the in the food processor, and that's and then I add back the vinegar and the brine to get the texture, the liquid, liquid, the fluidis, fluidicity, fluidity, <laughs> fluidness. I don't know the, the, the shakeability, viscosity, the how I want it to <laughs> shake and and come out of the bottleness. All right, listen, uh, we need to. Uh, put a child or two to bed we will uh, leave you to ponder the pickled peppers for a portion of your day uh or evening whatever it might be but we will be right back here with more 40 acres and a fool from the blaze radio network 40 acres and a fool with cam edwards on the blaze radio network Matt Walsh. Can you think of an example, besides Columbine, of a group of two or more heavily armed non-Muslim people walking into a place and uh, shooting civilians at random? But of course, we're supposed to pretend that we don't recognize that or realize that. But this is where political correctness leads, and it's even worse than that, because in this case, political correctness may have indirectly killed 14 people. Matt Walsh. Available on demand anytime at theblaze.com slash radio. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network. Thank you again for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. At the kitchen table, let's see what we have here uh, in front of us. This uh, segment brought to you by uh, the uh, Coney Island Brewing Company, Hard Root Beer, and I.W. Harper... Uh, fine bourbon and oh, I'm drinking Booker's. Oh, and Booker's, okay, and Booker's bourbon and the uh, book Bourbon Empire: The Past and Future of America's Whiskey by Reed Mittenbuehler, uh, a, a fascinating book that you should pick up right after you buy your copy of Heavy Lifting by uh, Jim Garrity and Cam Edwards. Grow up, get a job, start a family, and other manly advice. If you do not need that manly advice then you can pass that off to uh, somebody perhaps who does, and then you can uh, settle down and, and read uh, Bourbon Empire, which is really, really an interesting book. Uh, uh, you know, the NRA annual meeting is going to be in Louisville, Kentucky in 2016. Kentucky is bourbon country. Yes. Well, I did read that. I know that. And I always thought that only bourbon from Kentucky was allowed to be called bourbon. But I just read in this book, but that, that is not, that is not true. the case. Right. It's just that it has to be from the United States. Yep. So, ha. Huh. Right. Huh. Yep. That's interesting. So I always wondered that, too, because there are some... I, I've seen some local Virginia distilleries. I couldn't name which ones they are right offhand, but I've seen some local Virginia distilleries label uh, their product as bourbon whiskey. And I've wondered, do the Kentuckians not like that? And they, as it turns out, no, they really don't uh, particularly appreciate it. Because if you're in Kentucky and you're making bourbon, you think you, you are making bourbon. And there's no doubt that you're making bourbon. But as you say, many people associate bourbon with Kentucky. And so you get out of, outside of Kentucky and you're making bourbon in Utah. Or you're making bourbon in Virginia or in New York, New York City, right? Well, it wasn't even that I associated with it. I thought that was the rule, kind of like... You can't be called champagne if, you don't, come from if the, you don't come from the champagne region of France. Yeah. You're just sparkling wine. Right. So I thought that was actually like the rule, but apparently this is just some sort of 
uh, urban legend that the Kentucky lobbyist, the, the, the Kentucky bourbon lobbyist, must have started. Well, I think it goes back to what was it like 1964, 1965? Congress passed uh, that designation of bourbon being a distinctly American, American beverage. Spirit. Yeah, but 1964, but. It didn't say it was only from Kentucky. Right. It so was I don't just know American. why Kentucky thought it was like, okay, well, we're going to own this Kentucky, this American spirit then, because this is well, where we make it. Well, bourbon, we call it bourbon because of Bourbon County, Kentucky. Um, and it was Bourbon County, Kentucky was named after the Bourbons. Bourbons. Right. In, from France. Yeah. But that's. <laughs> they still have a champagne problem. You see, but the problem is that this is right. a French thing. But, but, uh, but that's why we call it bourbon, because it actually did come from Kentucky. It did start there. And, you know, you had people in the uh, 1830s uh, and 40s and 50s, you know, on there would, were, were making uh, their own different versions in Tennessee and in the Ohio Valley. Um, but and it's just, it's whiskey that's aged in new oak barrels that are charred. That's what bourbon is. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty much the definition. Mm-hmm. So it's... Right. But what, what you know, the bourbon connoisseurs will tell you about Kentucky what makes Kentucky different um, is the the water there and the climate there that allows for you know all kinds of, of wonderful things to happen to the to the booze but you'll have people tell you the same thing about you know Tennessee whiskey and, uh, and, and Virginia and whiskey Virginia whiskey you know that was one of the things I thought was really interesting is reading this book um, learning about how the the microclimates actually affect the the booze and you know storing a barrel of whiskey in the lower floors of a warehouse uh, is going to make that whiskey taste different than aging it in the upper floors of a warehouse. It's going to be hotter upstairs, so it's right. going to it's going to evaporate more. Yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna have a, a shorter time to uh have to age uh-huh. so you're talking like five years upstairs versus like 10 years downstairs right kind of thing and yeah. so there are some distilleries like maker's mark actually rotates their barrels well, that which makes is sense. time consuming and it's kind of a little bit more expensive but maker's mark is a premium bourbon so they can do it and it helps to keep their quality consistent the best champagne company rotate their bottles like to keep the sediments and whatever they mm-hmm. yeah they do the same thing they rotate them through the things so as i was reading bourbon empire i uh, by uh, reed mittenbuehler uh was reading about a brand called iw harper which has been around for uh, it's one of the you know the, the long time uh companies i think it's been around since at least the 1920s or 30s uh at one point it was available in 110 countries uh but as a, uh, apparently, until very recently, it was uh, an export-only product. So it was made in the United States, but you couldn't buy it in the United States. And then I was at our Farmville ABC store, and lo and behold, they have a bottle of I.W. Harper there. So I thought to myself, well, this is fortuitous. I was just reading about this, and it wasn't available for sale in the United States. Apparently now it is. So huh. I'm going to try it, and it's really good. Do you want to try a sip here? Oh wow, that's crazy smooth. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even make you go woo at all. That's like, that's gonna get you in trouble. <laughs> but there's a little bit, but not much. And then, yeah, you got the sweet and the caramel, kind of a brown right. It's a nice sugar. little butterscotch. Yeah, it's a butterscotch. 
yeah, flavor. You get, I mean, yeah. Not, not overpowering. I mean, it's a bourbon. No, it's yummy. But you get the notes of butterscotch and then a little smoky char on the back end. Yeah. And it yeah. is smooth. Oof. Smooth is, oh, wow, that's crazy. Smooth. Right? That's, that's. So, yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm fascinated by uh, this book. And it's, so it, it's a it's a but, history of... And I just started it, so don't... don't I'm not going to have spoilers. No more spoilers. I'm not, or, I don't even think there are any spoilers. Well. But <laughs> uh, it, it's, a, it's a history book, but it also talks a lot about the craft uh, bourbon movement and the craft distilleries and what the word craft actually means today and small batch and single barrel... And and, and yeah. what all these words like mean? Craft and small batch are like the liquor revision of uh, the version of uh, organic, right? <laughs> so, but it, but uh, the author does a very good job of sort of going back and forth between the past and the present, uh, and it's a it's his first book as well. So, uh, congratulations to uh, Reed Mittenbuehler, uh, the author of Bourbon Empire: The Past and Future of America's Whiskey, because it is a uh, eminently readable book about an eminently drinkable product yeah so. i i already engaged and i just picked it up and started it i've i've there's a couple of other history books of alcohol or history of of related alcohol things that i've i've started to read and i'm like okay when you start throwing up the half pages of footnotes with the <laughs> other i don't want to read a book like that because it's distracting and maybe i believe we've discussed your hatred yeah, of footnotes I have discussed my hatred in for, this previous episode this is good there's only a couple in here they're tiny so they're like they're they're like Oh, okay, I can blame... Oh, just quick glance right. down. Sort of like when you read an Uncle John bathroom reader, mm-hmm. and they have the little blips the across little, the bottom. Right. You can just look at them and get over, and you're done. You're like, it's all good. It's, but some of these books, like the half page of... I'm just like, ah, stop with the footnotes. I don't like footnotes. I know you don't. All right, listen. Give me a good ibit anyway. <laughs> uh, what about... Uh, so you don't like footnotes. What about in notes? I just... If you can't say what you have to say in your book, then yeah. then you need to write another book. Or you need to write your book better that you don't need endnotes and footnotes. What if... Okay. That's my opinion. That's huh. why I like fiction versus fact, apparently. Apparently. Or nonfiction, which is such a silly term. Nonfiction? Yeah. You think it should just be fiction and fact? Well, yeah, that's what so it is, right? It's something is either like, fact nor fiction. Where's yes? your fact section? Where's your fact section? Where's your stuff that's... What about opinion? Well, that's... Well, no, that's not books. That's like humor. Well... Or parental advice. Right. <laughs> or self-help. I mean, where do you put opinion? I don't know. It's But it's opinion isn't in fiction. No. So it's in nonfiction, which is sort of in fact. Even though it might not necessarily See, be factual. I think you just talked yourself out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because not everyone's opinion is fact. I mean, some of these we anti-vaxxers, woof. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a, a, a final time out here. We'll be back. Uh, do you have any more caramels left? Oh, yeah. Maybe one or two? I All do right. have some. We'll be right back with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo. You want to talk about Hillary Clinton? Show of hands. Hillary Clinton? (laughs) Don't all volunteer at once. 
Well, something good about Hillary Clinton, I can assure you that. Let's talk about uh, Cruz first. Uh, by the way, speaking of Mr. Cruz, the latest polling show him surging, uh, polls rather, show him surging into second place nationally. Chris Salcedo, Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. One more segment here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the uh, kitchen table. The kids are in bed. The dogs, however, are uh, still awake. So you may hear a bullet uh, wandering around in the background. Miss E looking at uh, pictures of Scottish Highland cattle online. And now I'm seeing Mario Sparkles uh, appear to be uh, getting a a ride from a nutcracker. Piggyback ride. (laughs) But I'm just like... Mario Sparkles, he can't give you a piggyback ride. He can't move his arms. Right? That's awful. <laughs> he can only move his jaw. So are you putting uh, Scottish Highland cattle on your Christmas list? Oh, it's an eventual thing. They're so... The problem with them is they look like Muppet cows. Right. And they're supposedly dual purpose. And I'm like, okay, they're super furry. So milking a super furry cow would probably be kind of problematic into itself. And then they're short and squat, so they forage really well. So they would actually do well on our property. Mm-hmm. But they're so cute. Do you want to kill them and eat them? That's kind of why we don't do rabbits right now. Because they're like, oh, I'm so cute with my pretty brown eyes. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, another pet. Yay, hi, another Lola. You know, really? <laughs> So, I don't know. Yes and no. Right. Oh, but I got a friend of mine sent me a picture. And she's I've got a commission. It's really of this cute little thing. So, I don't know if we talked about this at all on a podcast or not, but I had found this. Someone had sent me this pattern for the shark socks. Yes. So, now I'm the, those, yeah. I'm the shark sock person, right? So, somebody else texted me a, a picture of this little mermaid tail blanket and said, could you make this? <sighs> and asked me to get her a quote on this uh, mermaid tail blanket, which I found something even cuter than that because it actually looks like fish scales. It's a double crochet pattern, and if all okay. the crafties out there will know, it's like a shell stitch, so it totally looks like fish scales. So it's cooler looking. So yeah, I have that as a commission, but it doesn't have to be done until April. Oh, well, that's good. It's a birthday present. All right, we do have some uh, emails to get to, uh, and thank you for writing in. The email address, is always, is a 40acrefool at gmail.com. Robin in Virginia, uh, he had written in last week, he was talking about uh, uh, heating water um, uh, during the winter months, and, and I, uh, being the fool that I am, uh, thought that uh, Robin was talking about uh, heating the barn. He says, I don't heat the barn or, or the coop. Um, I heat the water trough. He mm. said the uh, first couple of years I used a flat aquarium heater for the for the chicken water. Uh, I'm guessing you don't have electricity in your barn. No. 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 No, we don't. Uh, if that's the case, he says, you'd have to run a cord from the nearest power source. Uh, Robin says, I have a barn built in 2001, so it has a ground fault outlet. Uh, and he uses a heated water bowl that he uses for the uh, new barn cats. And uh, then he uses another heater for his, his chicken water. And then he also has a sheltered plug. Uh, for the horse's drain heater, which is a trough and heater by Rubbermaid. He's all kinds of good. Yeah, he says, it wouldn't matter what kind of animals I had. I would have heated water. We're in, where we are, it's not... I mean, we don't really have that many days of prolonged frozen animal water. It's not that big of a, a problem. And you're here and during I'm, the day. I work here. I'm here all day. I go, and when it's cold, 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 I go and check. But, yeah. It's a good thing if you live, like, way north. Like, if you're 
homesteading up in Alaska or Minnesota or those northern places. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> you totally want to have heated water sources. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Rob wrote in as well. He says, I want to congratulate you on selecting a strong woman as a wife. <laughs> Or at least one who is not afraid to be honest about how she feels. (laughs) No more Hooters jokes from me, says Rob. Yes, they're funny, but only once. He says, I hope winter is kind to you. Out here in Southern California, we have two seasons, winter and summer. Winter reaches lows of 50 degrees. Brr, so sweaters are in order. Summer can get into the 90s, but we have a beach. You mean you you can't wear sandals anymore in the winter? (laughs) Right. Rob says... I like like seasons. Like I don't know if I could live like that. That's kind of weird to me. Rob says, I'm still playing with the idea of moving, but this is my home and my parents are elderly. Uh, anyway, I hope you and your family have a great Christmas. Thanks for 40 acres. If you had better internet access, I know that you would be having video too. I'm very curious about your farm. I bet I bet it's a jewel. Uh, <laughs> no, Rob, video. no video. No video. We've I, actually had this conversation about the whole reality TV show thing, and I shot that down like a fox in my backyard going after a chicken yeah i leave that at the office rob but yeah. uh you you can follow on instagram uh, at cam edwards or at corny goat farm and uh, you can see pictures of the farm i'm trying to be better I, i've it, it's hard i'll be really honest with you it's, it's really hard you are better but i'm also at work most of the day and by the time i get off of work now it's dark yeah and so it's hard for me to take it's much easier for me to take pictures uh, and, and, you know, I get home and I go and I pet the pigs because they come over and arf, 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 so I, I pull in and I, I go and I say hello, but it's dark and we have black pigs, so I, I can't take a picture. <laughs> no, you can't. So <laughs> and I, I would bug their tiny little beady eyes to do a, sh- a flash shot. Right. So They'd I'm be doing, blind for so hours. So I'm doing what I can but you are around uh, during the daylight hours a lot more than I am. So, uh, yes, right now. Corny Goat Farm is a, uh, a more active Instagram feed. Yeah. But I don't tweet, so please don't ask of that of me. No, I, I would I would never ask that of you, ever. No, just none of the people listening, neither, that either. People have said, oh, Missy Lane, Missy, you should tweet. I'm a Missy Lane, Missy. No, 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 we know, we know to do the tweet. Uh, and Trent wrote in as well. He said, I had to chime in about your aside of the equine variety in the Thanksgiving episode. In high school and for a bit of early college, I worked for... Uh, with a trainer uh, showed on the paint pinto circuit with a fair bit of success. I made a little bit of money dabbling in horses when the economy was still good and everyone with five acres and a 10-year-old thought they needed one. Yeah. Trent says, horses are the boat of the barnyard. Mm. They are a hole in the earth into which you deposit money. Mm-hmm. But, he says, they can also be a boatload of fun and border on useful depending on workload. I know one guy that cuts firewood that still skid out logs with horses rather than using a tractor. We could do that with the woods. And he says, they do make good companions for goats. They can certainly keep you from having to mow any spare pasture. He says, uh, don't roll, don't rule out the draft ponies. Yeah. A uh, halflinger, for example, is a fantastic little draft that can be broke to ride and drive and looks fancy on a cart. Good demeanor. And should you want to dabble in the beast of burden activities for the sake of saying gasoline, we don't need no stinking gasoline. They certainly have the mass to pull a small plow or a harrow. Hmm. I always wanted to get um, Sugar Plum back. She was like that. She was that uh, quarter horse that she had white hair, but like silver gray skin quarter horse from Girl Scout camp. Yeah, I loved 
sugar plum. I would want a sugar plum. Sugar plum was the first horse that I ever did a flat out gallop, and I wasn't allowed to, and wasn't on like in the rings where we teach the kids how to do stuff. It right. was like so the Girl Scout camp would cycle every two weeks, and the kids would have we'd have horse show Saturday morning, and the kids would go home, and we'd have Saturday night off, and then everybody'd show up Sunday morning. So Saturday night, sugar plum and I went to her out on the road out of camp and we just tore ass up the road like seriously <laughs> i'm holding on for my dear life and she is galloping around like because no one ever lets her gallop because right. we're teaching kids and so she was just like just flat out doing it, and i was scared out of my mind but it was so awesomely exhilarating and we totally walked back the, the mm. on the way back so she would cool off and everything but it was like sugar plum and my biggest secret that whole <laughs> like the whole time i was in girl scout camp like i never told anybody i would have gotten in so much trouble but she really like she liked it like right it was it's kind of like when we let bullet outside after it's been really bad weather yeah. and he really needs to just he run just tears and around. tears around and burn yeah. off steam Sugar Plum was a a really beautiful, sturdy horse, and she put up with kids from like. At one point, they they had one week camps where they had like seven, eight, and nine year olds come, mm. which was a giant pain in the bahui. But most of the time, it was like uh, eleven and up, and eleven and up girls are like really horsey, so they'll do anything, right? right? Um, but yeah, they 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 it was more you know walk, trot, canter in the ring, so. Sugar Plum never got to do her full potential, but I'd like to think that we had a great day that day. <laughs> well, I know you did. I, yeah, bet I did. You, I bet Sugar and Plum And she got had a extra feed, well. and I walked her, and I cooled her down, and I gave her a great grooming, and her picked her feet up, and I seriously well, treated her like a you can princess. Ask for as a horse. Exactly. Uh, lastly, Trent says, you were talking about recipes for the holidays. My grandmother and mom make an oyster dressing. Now, everyone's mom's dressing, Trent says, is their favorite, but this gluten bomb with celery, onions, and oysters is second to none in my universe, and a bit of an oddity as near as I can tell, because when I mention it, nobody's ever heard of anything. No, oyster dressing is an English thing. Oh, well, there you go. And Trent says, uh, it's a shame, because it is a holiday staple, and after several years of deep-frying turkeys, the family demanded a return to traditional roasting, because the dressing was not the same. It's prepared good. outside it's the bird. It's just not. It's just not. But I'd be interested in trying the oyster stuffing recipe mm-hmm. because I like oysters. The youngest mm-hmm. boy loves oysters in all sorts of shapes I would, and I forms. would try oyster you stuffing. Would, I'd, I'd try an oyster stuffing. He needs to send you his recipe. Trent, if you, if, you can, if you can get mom's recipe. And you don't have to give us, like, you could be as vague as I was. You just get the, the idea of the ingredient <laughs> list. I can just go from there. That would be awesome. So does that mean that maybe for Christmas we could have two forms of stuffing? Oh, sure. Why not? Let's be decadent. Oh, Christmas just got even better. Well, thank you, Trent, for that uh, early Christmas present. Uh, <laughs> and thank you for tuning into this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. It is time for us to wrap up for the week. Uh, we might be taking off uh, later on in the month around Christmas, but we will be back with another episode uh, of 40 Acres and a Fool next week. So be sure to tune in for that. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll see you here soon on the near frontier and the 40 acres and a fool radio program this is 40 acres and a fool with cam edwards on the blaze radio network